Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Today's uh, sermon that I'll be doing is on temptation. And what I'd actually find uh, going through this journey of temptation that as I'm preparing this sermon to deliver to the church, I'll actually find the Lord actually um, confronting me with the sermon the whole time. So for about 10, 10 weeks, I've been uh, working on temptation. So the journey that I've actually been on personally, that the Lord's been uh, transforming me in my life and actually uh, making me look inside of myself and being able to change things that I was applying into my life and allowing me to uh, renew the mind of myself to help me overcome some of the temptations that I've faced. I'd just like to share a story of myself. Um, in the 2006, September 2017, I've been incarcerated in prison. Um, around about eight to nine years, somewhere close around there is when I became a born-again Christian. So you could imagine when I wasn't with the Lord, the, the temptations that would await me outside the walls. I had, uh, you know, I was conformed to the world and I had a worldly way of thinking. So there was the, the street lifestyle that awaited me. My, my mind was heavily embedded and I embraced the lifestyle. I planning a lot of things through all my years, planning constantly of, of the things I was going to do when I got outside of the walls. And... As I, when I received Christ into my life and became a born-again Christian, God gave me about, I just say, around like 18 months of preparing me. And during this 18 months, I found God putting the right people inside of my life. At the same time, He had changed my heart and I was willing to receive help. And, and with that willingness, I was able to reach out and get psychologists to come in and, and teach me and to... I help you to know a little bit more about myself at the same time counseling with the reality of the world that I was about to face outside prison walls. At the same time, um, there was my spiritual walk. I had a mother who was praying for me consistently. I teed up with the, the chaplains and I was reading the Bible. I had Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, Catholics all coming to see me all at the same time because I was so, so hungry to know about the Lord. But during that time, I'd, I'd understand that this is causing too much confusion and I had to ask each one of them to no longer come and visit me and that I was going to stick to the UK King James Version Bible to help guide me. And during that also God, he put he my, my, my wife, Ania, there to help continue to encourage me and help me to stay focused on this journey that I, that I was taking. And also God gave me time to meditate on God's word and at the same time begin to put things into practice and just like I've read about poor things in my journey I, I found that I was no longer desiring the things that I once did before and the things that I wouldn't find myself doing, I now find myself doing, separating myself from the lifestyle that I've been, that I've been living and going, going down to chaplains and actually going down there and sharing my testimony and my faith in Christ and starting up little um, little Bible studies with some of the gangsters in, inside a prison and, and during that process I'd actually find 
that the Lord was training and he was equipping me and he was preparing me so that I could withstand those temptations that would await me outside the walls. And it's a pleasure to say, um, just I think last week it was, um, 12 years, 9 months later since I was incarcerated, I've just completed everything, all my parole conditions, my whole sentence. And, uh, one thing that's, that's a testimony of what Christ has done in my life, I know without Christ, that this journey is practically impossible for me or for anybody else that's trying to overcome and do things right. So I thank God for that. I ended up with a GPS bracelet, which now I look back and I can see that that was actually a huge protection because of of the amount of temptations that awaited me back in my stomping grounds, how easy it would have been for me to go back there more often than I should. So I thank God for that, that as well. So... We can dictate the influence and the effect that temptation can have upon our life, but we'll never rise above being tempted. Every single day, each and every one of us, some way, somehow, will be tempted. Beating temptations can make us a better person, but the question is, is it possible? If Adam and Eve could be tempted in the Garden of Eden, if David could be tempted by Bathsheba, if Judas could be tempted by personal gain, even our Lord and our Saviour consistently tempted, how much more are each and every one of us going to be tempted in our way? Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points, all points was tempted just as we are, yet without sin. Now I just want to break this down into three three points. Number one, it says, but we do not have a high priest. If you don't know who the high priest is, Jesus is now our high priest. We no longer need a high priest to go in and make a sacrifice to cover our sins for one year. Jesus has completed it all, and for eternity, he is our high priest. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, Jesus has gone ahead of each and every one of us, and he's suffered in some way, shape, or form that can relate to each and every one of our weaknesses. Number two, it says, But in all points was tempted just as we are. Jesus was tempted just as each and every one of us. He would have been te tempted with lust, Drunkenness, riches, fame and glory, anger, hatred, pride of life. All these things because it says in the word of God that he was tempted at all points just as we are. And if you think about it, riches, fame and glory, you see the temptation when he's going through the desert. And, and the enemy, he says to him, takes him to the top of the mountain, he says, you can have all of this. It would have been pleasing to the eye of Jesus until he stepped on his toes and said, First, you have to bow down and worship. At the same time, we see, we, we can think about the temptations of, of hatred. When he, when he stands in front of the Pharisees and he can see people that are meant to hold the word of God, that they, they're meant to be righteous, they're meant to be holy, yet he can see the filthiness inside of their heart, the desires of their heart, the selfishness. That can easily tempt someone to become angry. 
more past anger and lead into hatred the way that they're dealing with these things. Also, we know that Jesus himself was tempted right up until his dying days on the cross. When I say that, I mean the thief that rejected him and said, if you are the Son of God, show us and get yourself down from the cross. He was tempted right up into his dying stages. And it says here, number three, yet without sin. How can we be tempted and not sin? Can I just say this? Temptation is not a sin. It's the actions that take place after you've been confronted by the temptation that can lead you into sin. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, your favorite packet of biscuits and your favorite pudding and so tempting that you just got to eat it all. That's only going to lead you into an unhealthy lifestyle. I'm talking about the temptation that leads you into sin. If I can share a well-known story, the Garden of Eden, our great Heavenly Father, creator of all things, Yahweh, the great Jehovah God, spoke and he said to Adam, you and Eve, you can have everything in this garden. Just don't eat from that tree in the midst, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the same word for word. But then he has the most craftiest beast of them all, known as the serpent in the garden. And the serpent, serpent comes along to Eve and says, Did God really say that you can't eat from this tree? And she basically says, Yes, cannot eat from this tree. Don't touch it, will surely die. But the serpent says something to them. And he says, You will not surely die. And when you eat of this fruit, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Once, once this tree wasn't pleasing to the eye of Eve, but now this fruit became good, and the desires for the wisdom that belonged to that tree was now embedded in her heart. But we can see as we look at the tree, there's the temptation. It's not a sin. It's the actions that are about to take place after she's confronted with the temptation that's about to lead into sin. And the story carries on and it says that Eve, when it took from the forbidden fruit, and she ate of it. And that's exactly when she entered into sin, when she disobeyed God, when she followed the desires of her heart and rejected the desires of the Father's heart. Not only that, she allowed for the serpent's voice to deceive her and to reject the voice of God. How often do we see ourselves following the desires of our own hearts and not the desires of the Father's heart? Allowing our voice and the voice of the serpent to come into our garden and overpower or overrule the voice of the Holy Spirit. As we what we can see in here is that the serpent is clearly the tempted one who tempts. It's not God who tempts. It was clearly the serpent. I haven't got this on scripture here, but I feel the Holy Spirit guided me to, to add this in here. So Genesis 11 and 13 is God came to Adam and Eve when they had disobeyed him and speeding up the process. This is what the man said. He said in Genesis 3 verse 11 to 13. Then the man said, this is the God, 
the woman whom you have gave me. He points the finger straight back at God. You see that? He said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. Can you see the way that we operate? We don't know how to take full responsibility for our actions at times. That we can point the finger back at God. Or if not, we're going to point the blame over there, here, there, and everywhere. One thing that we can't do is blame God. And the scripture says in James 1 verse 13, Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Let us not blame God for the temptations that we face. It's our responsibility to make the right choices so that we can enter into sin. And it continues on down in verse 14 and it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. In other words, we can see that we get lured to the desires that are in our own heart. And what happens? It says here, then when desire has conceived, when these desires have been actions, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is foregrown, brings forth death. An illustration, everyone has, has some type of anger, but let's just say that anger turns into hatred. And what we know of is Jesus said, if you have hatred in your heart, you're, you're now committing sin. It's murder in the heart. So here we are, we've now entered into sin. If we allow for their hatred and their desire to manifest and we action on it, we can see that it brings forth, brings forth death because it has become full grown and it's manifesting and operating in each and every one of our lives. When I, when I look at this, I see it brings forth death. What does that mean? What can I see? When I think about death, I think about someone dying. If not, they're already dead. When I think about death, I think about someone losing someone. If not, they're already lost. When I think about it, when we think about it this way, we can see a separation. And what we can relate to in death is the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what I can see here is that he's trying to kill the relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. He's trying to rob you from the blessings that the Holy Spirit has and the relationship that He wants with you. At the same time, He's separating you from the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And in this, if I can continue on with this illustration, I have a, I have a dead body example and sin example. It's probably not something that you often see. But what we know, what happens when a, when, when, a, when a person passes away? What happens to the body? The soul's gone, the spirit's gone. It can no longer produce life. The same as sin. The actions of our sins, they produce death. So they can no longer produce life. As time goes on, the body becomes, the, becomes undesirable. It's the same as the sin. As the Holy Spirit rejects sin, it's no longer desirable to the eyes of the Holy Spirit or the follower of Christ. And as time keeps continuing now, 
now we see that nature takes its place and it begins to eat away at the flesh. It's the same as the nature of sin. Our sin nature begins to eat away at our flesh from the inside out. And what happens as time continues on, we know we can see here that the bones begin to decay. They become fragile, brittle, and they slowly fade away. There are things that still exist here. But it's the same with our relationship in sin. We can see that our relationship with the Lord and the voice of the Holy Spirit begins to fade. And we can see the fatal consequences of our actions, just like Adam and Eve, when they were separated from God out of the Garden of Eden. Same as our actions, when we enter into sin, we can be separated from that relationship with the Holy Spirit because He rejects our sin. Suffering and torment can also come with temptations if we can't overcome our temptation. In other words, undoubt with strongholds, undoubt with strongholds can have suffering and torment connected to it when we attempt. Can I just give a small illustration of, small example of, of myself? Uh, I lack a lot of education, um, so I, I struggle in the areas of studying the Word of God. I'm really pressing in, I'm, I'm really trying to do my best, but my head just burns out, it's, it's, and it becomes frustrating for me, and He torments me in, in ways to try and make me fall back into my old patterns of thinking, because when I get frustrated, it, it can lead me to thinking negative, not only thinking negative, I can speak these negative thoughts out into the open, not only just into the open, I can begin to believe the lies of the enemies having me speak over my own life. And at the same time that I'm believing in these things, he's trying to condemn me. He's trying to trap me. I start saying things like, I can't do this anymore. Now this walk ain't for me. Now I'm just going to let the Lord down. I might as well just stop now. Can you see the torment? I get so angry. Now I've already got a history of violence. So trying to manage and deal with my, my pattern of behavior is, is a wrestle on its own. But I thank God for that peace that I've been able to overcome these things. But the enemy knows that those are weak points that he wants to try and target. And when he's tormenting me, those are the areas I can see him trying to compress me into to, to overthink things and doubt myself. And each and every one of us have undoubted issues. And what I've realized in this area is that it's an undoubted issue. And the Holy Spirit showed me that I actually need breakthrough in this area of my life. Because this journey is going to take a lot of studying it's going to take a lot of thinking, a lot of time, and it's, there's a lot of confusion when we're learning the Word of God. It's quite a challenging thing to be able to study the Word of God and because of my lack of, my lack of education and, and studying the Word. It's, it's quite a heavy journey for me, but pressing in and continuing in. 
The question is, what are the things that the enemy torments you with? Temptation is a personal thing. And I ain't just talking about just normal temptation. I'm talking about temptation that can lead you into sin. Temptations where the enemy can begin to target your weak spots that you haven't dealt with. And these are the things that we got to press into it identify and be able to locate within our lives because they're just sitting there and the enemy's waiting for the perfect chance to utilize those strongholds to benefit him. Some of the lies. What are some of the lies that we can tell ourselves when we attempt it? Oh, what are some of these lies? The devil made me do it. There goes Eve. So you just transformed into Eve and now you're pointing back with the serpent. It was the serpent who deceived me. See, but all these things are alike because the devil didn't even make her do it. He just suggested a thought. She looked and it became desirable to the heart and she made the decision to do it. He didn't do nothing. He just told her. He suggested some great ideas. She changed the way that she was looking at life. And then she became desirable and she actioned. He did nothing. She did it all on her own. But then we see that she pointed it back to him like not taking responsibility. What about I couldn't resist it? How many times have we said that? I couldn't resist it. Oh man, now I just had to do it. See, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Because you couldn't resist it. You just chose not to resist it. Just like Eve, she couldn't resist it. She chose not to resist it. She made the choice. I didn't want to do it. How many times have we lied to ourselves saying that? Oh, I didn't want to do it. I just did it though. I know this is quite confronting for all of us because it's the truth. We all say, ah, I didn't want to do it. I could say the same thing with, with my crime. Ah, I didn't want to do it, but I did it, and I did the, did the sentence with it. The thing is, we choose. We choose. We can't blame, blame God, and we can't blame the serpent. He's given us a responsibility, the free will, to make the right choices within our lives. I'm not saying that you're going to make all the right choices in your lives. But I'm helping you to identify this pattern of thought that's going on, that we are responsible, and that we have the power of choice to make the right decision to stop us from continuously entering into a pathway of sin. I've already sinned this far, I might as well go all the way. It's like saying, oh, well, I've already had a few, few beers now, I might as well keep going all night. <laughs> and if there's a party tomorrow, I might as well continue on drinking there too. Let's go. You hear that? As long as I'm in the flesh, I am going to sin. And I've said that many times. And I'll probably still say it, but probably in a different format. But all I hear is excuses. Consistently, we make up poor excuses for each and every one of us. But when we're tempted, we're talking about entering into sin. We're talking about jeopardizing the relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about ourselves. 
We can see the fall of man between Adam and Eve. You can see the destructiveness that's happened through that wrong decision that they made. And the same thing can apply in our lives if we continue to make the wrong decisions and allow for the enemy to deceive us. See, but the thing is, when it comes to temptation, God always has a way out. He's always got a door. He's for good and not for evil. He has a plan for your life. And it's not to set you up to fail. And the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Here we go. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will always make a way out of your temptations. God has always got a door for you to exit. The thing is, are you tuned into the Holy Spirit and are you hearing the voice of God? Or are you listening to your own thoughts? Amen. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to show you the, the doorway? Because if you ain't listening to the Holy Spirit and your ears ain't tuned in, there's more than likely that you're listening to the thoughts of the world and your pattern is going to lead you away from the door that God has opened for you. This will lead me into a, the renewing of the mind. This is something that Pastor James has put in our discipleships, and it's, and it's the three R's to recognize, remove, and replace. Getting out of prison, you'd see that I'd have to, can, I recognize that the lifestyle that I was living wasn't the lifestyle that, would, that the Lord wanted me to live. So there had to be changes. I first recognized those things. But now how do I remove those things? Get out of prison. And I had to continue. I actually got, got the team together and I just told them straight. I just told them. I just told them straight to see, bro, I'm no longer with the gangs. I've given my heart to God. And that was simple and plain as how I laid it down. There was, there was no beating around the bush. I don't care about the consequences that I faced because Jesus showed me that it was real. And in the lifestyle that I was living, you know, I'd been deceived because I was believing in something that was real, but it wasn't real. There were real things involved in that lifestyle, like family, there was love, but it's not the love that Jesus offers us. So I had to remove, I recognized it, and I had to, re I had to remove it. And then I had to continue to walk in it when I got out of, got out of prison, into the real world. And my family, they're still family, they're all in the gangs. They're my brothers and I love them. And I, I'm, nothing's going to change about that. I've just chosen that I no longer participate in that lifestyle. And it's the same thing for us when it comes to us. We've got to recognize, identify these things, remove them, and so that we no longer participate in the sinful nature 
that once deceived us and dominated us in so many different ways. And then the third R is to replace. What are we going to replace it with? What are we going to What are we going to renew our minds with? Are we going to continue in the the pattern of the world and continue in our own opinions, thoughts, and experiences? Are we really going to grab the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and begin to allow the Word of God to nourish within our thoughts, within our hearts, and guide us so that we can actually walk in victory? When we're confronted with temptation, when the enemy tries to lead us into sin. Remember, family, temptation is not a sin. It's the actions that take place after you've been tempted that can lead you into sin. Is everyone following me? Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's good. I found along my journey, as I was preparing the sermon, like I said, that the whole sermon was basically for me. I find the Lord challenging me, pressing in, piercing my heart, and the enemy having a field day with the torment that's going on in my head. But I knew that as I was going through the valleys, that the Lord was showing me many things. That as I went through the valleys, I ain't talking about going down into the valleys and just getting stuck there. I'm going through it. And I understand when I go through those valleys, I want to get as much exposure through the light of the Holy Spirit as reveals things to me. As much exposure of the things that the enemy is trying to hide from me as I can, so I can begin to write these things in journals, so I can take these things to the Lord, so I can begin to work on them one by one. You ain't going to be able to overcome all your temptations just like that. Through my experience just on this 10 weeks, it has to take one little thing at a time that I have to present to the Lord. Okay, Lord, help me. Now I need to put this into practice. Just just hearing the word and recognizing the first R, we get stuck at just recognizing and then we don't remove it. But sometimes it takes a procedure just like God did with me for the 18 months when I was inside prison. Sometimes we need to reach out for help. Not only reach out for help, we need to just be able to accept help. That was one of my problems is I thought I could just do it all on my own. I don't need help. I'm all good. Never needed anyone. I'm sweet. You know, I take care of my, my own struggles, my own battles. I'm sweet. I'll be all good. But T, that's where it was wrong. The enemy was deceiving me. Yeah, maybe so. How far was that going to get me? I needed to learn how to release these things and allow people to come in and help me. And some of, some of us in here may actually need help from a brother or sister. To be able to assist them with some of the struggles that they're going to face. The temptations that we face daily. Because we can see what it produces and it produces death within our lives. And like I said, it's a separation within our relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
And we want to be aligned. You know that they say that, I've heard this from a few people now, that we are the weakest generation of them all. Within our walk of faith, we are, what they say, the weakest generation of them all. That's a big one for me. Because I don't want to be a participant in that. And I'm not going to be a participant. That word might be for somebody else, but that word ain't for me. They might say that we're the weakest generation of the world, but I ain't accepting it for my walk with Christ. Are you? Are you going to allow yourself for people to speak over your life and say that we are the weakest? I'll rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm on fire for the Holy Spirit. You can see it. I don't, even, I don't care what they say. It offends me for people to say that I I am the weakest generation of them all. If that is true, well, let me stand tall in the pits of all adversity that the enemy is going to bring our way. Let us not be the weakest generation of them all. They can say what they want, but we've got the fire of the Holy Spirit. We've got everything that they had when Jesus was here on this earth. We have the same anointing and giftings and power that were given unto them. It's the same thing here. The Holy Spirit stood on fire. The only question is, is, are you on fire for the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing your flame to continue to burn? Or are you allowing your flame to get dimmed out by the temptation which you walk into your sins and you separate yourself from that relationship with the Holy Spirit. He does not go anywhere. It's us that make the trust. Can I just say, what does an overcomer look like? What does an overcomer really look like? You know, we can have a person who when you think of an overcomer, you probably think of someone who is standing rejoicing in victory. <laughs> but when you look at Jesus, who overcame all things, take him back into take him back into the desert, forty days and forty nights. I believe the Holy Spirit showed me this one, and we know Jesus to be a person who spoke with authority. But Jesus, after forty days and forty nights. You couldn't even imagine, without food, without water, what his face would have looked like, what his skin would have been like, how brittle his body would have been. His tongue would have just been like rust. Trying to breathe would have been a struggle. When the enemy tempted him, then he told him to eat this bread, he didn't go. He didn't say, this is written. I can only imagine when he's struggling there would have been like, 
he's overcoming. That's right. Every single little step, he's still overcoming. Overcoming your temptation doesn't mean you're always going to be rejoicing in victory. It doesn't always look that way. It's as long as you're continuing to press in and to trust in the Lord and to keep moving forward within your walk. It's like a person who rides a bike. He can go 100 kilometers. He gets to about 50 kilometers. Every pedal he's still overcoming, he's getting one step closer. But as he begins to hit those hills, now it's starting to turn into a bit of torment. To get up that hill, he has to press in even harder. And his mind starts playing mind games with him. He starts talking to himself, starts saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it up this hill. I need to just get out of this hill. He may even start quitting in his mind. But as long as he continues to pedal one step at a time, he's still an overcomer and he's heading in the right direction. He may get to the top of the hill and go around the corner. His legs are so brittle, he's feeling crippled. That's overcoming doesn't always come in victory. There are wars, there are battles that we face, there are suffering, there are torment, there are temptations that we have to continue to overcome. It comes in different ways, different shapes and forms as we overcome. And I encourage you to continue to press in if you're feeling like you're going up a hill, if you're going through a valley, if you're, your, your legs are becoming weak, like you just can't walk, walk this journey in. Just keep pressing in one day at a time. You're still overcoming. You're walking in victory. Just the victory is just around the corner. We've got to keep pressing in because the enemy wants you to give up. And uh, one last um, message here. I just want to talk about Jesus. You know when Jesus said, come follow me? He, could you imagine he or how, how he already knew how astonished and overwhelmed the people were going to be, what they were about to see and what they were about to hear. He already knew that Peter was going to reject him not once, twice, but three times. He knew that the disciples, when the pressure was on, were going to scatter. He knew that Judas would sell him out for personal gain. Not only that, he knew that the enemy would sit at his table, eat and drink in remembrance of him, receiving nothing but love for him, but yet betray him. How much more did Jesus already know when you would accept him into your life? That you would reject them not once, not twice, but three times, if not more. That when the pressure come on, that you would scatter and run just like the disciples. Not only that, that you would sell them out for personal gain. And that you would sit and do communion and remembrance of him, yet your lifestyle 
will continue to contradict. I know that appears in the heart, that's for each and every one of us. He already knew these things. Look, he already knew the nature of a human being. If you don't know what the word human means in Hebrew, it actually means Adam. So he already knew Adam's nature because he was there when he seen him inherit a sinful nature. And he seen the destruction of the sinful nature come right through generation after generation right till there was a stage when God could only see evil in humans' heart that he could only save them by one family and he had to remove all mankind. He already knew these things. And if Adam and Eve could be tempted to do evil when all they knew was good, how much easier does he know that it is for us to be tempted and led into sin? Can I just say this as I come into my closing? If you've been saying these things like, I can't. I just can't do it. Can I ask you just to observe and whose voice are you listening to? Is that your voice? Or is that the word of God? Because I know that the word of God says that you can because he says you can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. And if you've got a spirit of fear, let me tell you that ain't the voice of God. That's the voice of yourself with the serpent in the garden trying to deceive you in your life because God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Can I encourage you to take some time to, as I can see this is quite the confronting and inward-looking sermon, and I've had to walk it out with the Lord, and it's been challenging. Can I just encourage you? As they saw enters into the heart and the Holy Spirit shines His light on the things that we don't like to see or the things that we don't like to admit. Just to write them down. Not to show anyone. You can show people if you want to, but not to show anyone just for yourself so that you can... You can lift these things up to the Lord. You can, you can give them to Him. The scripture in Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray. Lest you enter into sin. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knows that the flesh is weak. But the spirit is willing. And it says, Submit to God. James 4, verse 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Get those things, and in your own time, begin to submit them to God. Don't sit in a place where you recognize and don't remove. It's like hearing the word. It goes in, in one ear and out the other. The enemy comes along with snatches. Don't be one of those people that just recognize. Try and put these things into practice. Submit to God. The scriptures to therefore submit to God. First submit them to God. Now your job is to resist the devil. In other words, resist the temptations and the devil will flee. Well, basically that's it for me on temptations. 
And I just encourage you to, to press in when you go through those valleys and the trials are coming. To press into God, to press into Jesus. I could have never walked this walk out. I'd never be standing here today if I hadn't met the Lord and I hadn't fully surrendered to Him. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. doesn't mean that I ain't got things to work on. I've got tons of things that I still need to overcome. I've got so many things that I need to work on that I'm just so looking forward to the Holy Spirit exposing them. Even though I know that I don't enjoy the trials, I enjoy the Holy Spirit exposing the enemy to me as I go through them. Because then it allows me to work on defeating the enemy. Well, in saying that, um, oh, that's, that's, that's me, church. 